I quit playing baseball when I was 14. I was in what was called the Babe Ruth League. I didn't play much, not because I wasn't a good baseball player. I was incredibly average. Neither, neither the star of the league or my team, nor far from the worst around either. But I did warm the bench <clears throat> with three other guys whose dads were not old boy network former athlete buddies of our coach. I started to learn a little bit about how the world worked that summer. The day I quit the team, there was an injury to the right fielder. The coach pointed at me and said, you'll do, I guess. As I got out to my position, I realized I don't want to be there anymore. Baseball, which I loved, was no longer fun. I took my shirt off as a fly ball went over my head and people ran around the bases, gave the coach to my shirt, tears in my eyes, said, I quit. In the car ride home, my dad said, good choice, but you should have finished the inning. I quit the team, but I did not give up on baseball. A friend's father was going to coach his little brother's little league team and asked if I wanted to help. Of course I did. I soon found out I was the only one of four coaches, two teens, and two adults who knew anything whatsoever about baseball. It soon became my show. And I coached the way I wished my Babe Ruth League coach had coached. Everyone counted, everyone played, and we spent as much time at practice playing tag and talking about comic books as we did on batting and infield practice. To everyone's surprise, we won the championship. I walked out on playing, but I walked on to coach. I didn't give up baseball. My friend from Lunenburg, next door to Lemonster, Andy Webster, is an active and creative soul. I met him in my 30s when he was 18, and we both played in a band at our church together. He eventually became a public high school teacher, an earth science classroom teacher. But recently, he quit. He realized that what he hated about school as a student, he also hated as a teacher. That learning and not learning should not happen along a schedule of bells. That learning and not learning happened when and where you are for as long as you wanted to learn, or if you so choose not learn. Andy quit the classroom, but he did not give up on education. He founded a second incarnation of the Walden Project near his home in New York. The Walden Project is a one-year program that takes high school juniors and seniors and gap year students to explore as their curriculum the three fundamental questions Henry David Thoreau asked himself when he went to live at Walden Pond. What is my relationship to myself? What is my relationship to my culture? What is my relationship to the natural world? NPR has called the Walden Project one of the most innovative educational programs in the entire country. Andy quit the classroom, but he did not give up on education. Over the past few years, more and more non-congregational Unitarian Universalist communities united by covenant are springing up all over the country. They're springing up due to people who have given up on church entirely. 
They have become frustrated with congregational life. They quit the institutional church. It no longer worked for them. But they have not given up on community or on Unitarian Universalism. They started alternative covenantal communities. One of the first is called Sacred Fire UU in Carborough, North Carolina. The original group there started two years ago and now has 50 members meeting in six chalice circles. They summarize their method there as circle, gather, build, transform. Everyone is required to belong to a small group circle, like our chalice circle, that meets at least monthly. Gather. Once a month, the community has a potluck with a purpose, where the group eats, plays music, socializes, makes decisions for the community, and plans action. Once a month, the community builds. It builds community by taking part in community actions, such as building a community garden, or a Habitat for Humanity house, or having a fun all-ages outing, or attending an event hosted by another community group. The group practices transformation. They share food and goods and services. They facilitate cooperative childcare. They give each other rides. They help each other through difficult times and crisis. They practice solidarity. They participate in local Black Lives Matter action and work to be in community with refugees. Members meet as needed to do this work, usually monthly. The people of Soul Fire quit church, but they did not give up on their Unitarian Universalism. My baseball experience, my friend's education product, and Soul Fire UU are all examples of what Meg Wheatley and Margaret Fries call walk out, walk on in their book by the same title. Me, my friend, and Soulfire UUs are what these authors call walkouts. They say walkouts are people who bravely choose to leave behind a world of unsolvable problems, scarce resources, limiting beliefs, and destructive individualism. They walk on to the ideas, beliefs, and practices that enable them to give birth to new systems that better serve the community. Wheatley and Fries's book spotlights efforts of people around the world who have decided to walk out on failing traditional institutional systems of education, healthcare, government, and business because these systems stopped being able to create solutions to the very problems they were created to solve. Wheatley and Fries teach us that when a system fails, we have two choices, struggle to repair the broken system or create an alternative. New alternatives can be created with the old system or outside of it. They explain that quitting is not the same thing as giving up. When we walk out on a failing system, we have a responsibility to it nonetheless. We must be caring and compassionate toward it, like a hospice care situation. And at the same time, imaginative, innovative, out of the box, living on our growing edge creators, of what comes next. We pay attention to what is failing and fading and take from it the wisdom and values at its core and help them live on in new, innovative, creative ways and forms. Living and working as a walkout inside a dying system 
you must work from the core values of that system and not necessarily the values that have come to currently dominate it. We are seeing this all around us in our society right now. Our systems of government, health care, law, education, even church that are built on patriarchal, heteronormative hierarchy, racism, individualism, environmental destruction, and acquisition of things at all costs are beginning to crumble. People within the system and outside are championing a new way actually based on our oldest core values, such as community, cooperation, equity, diversity, sustainability, health, healing, wholeness, inclusion. I believe sincerely that more of us need to be walkouts, to quit on dying systems and walk on to create alternatives. It's widely recognized that the best way to a new model is not to critique the current model, but to provide a better working alternative so that instead of arguing over the merits of old and new ways, it becomes obvious there is now a better way, a better alternative. Walk Out, Walk On came about through Margaret Wheatley's Burkana Institute. The work there focuses on experimenting with diverse ways of fostering connection and learning. Their motto is, whatever the problem, community is the solution. Wheatley named the Institute Burkana after the ancient Norse rune of the same name, which is shaped like a pointed bee and was the Old Norse name for birch tree. Its symbolic meaning as a rune is growth and rebirth. Today, Christian churches celebrate the Feast of the Epiphany, celebrating the visit of the Magi to visit Jesus. This Christian feast is one of Burkana, of growth and rebirth. The early Christians were walkouts of the Judaism they knew and of the Roman Empire system they lived in. And they walked on to create community and connection. T.S. Eliot's famous poem about the epiphany, Journey of the Magi, is one look at this event and how even the Magi knew there would be a walking away from old ways and new way that was coming would be difficult for them. One of the Magi is the narrator and begins, a cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey, and such a long journey, the way deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. He goes on to describe the difficulties of the journey, problems with the camel drivers, high prices for supplies in the towns, and all other irritations they had. He says, at the end, we preferred to just travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying this was all folly. The Magi finally hit easier traveling, a warmer climate with vegetation. They come to a town and find a tavern, an inn, but they don't find what they're looking for, and neither do they find any information to help them. They continue looking. And when they finally find what they're looking for, he says, we arrived at evening, not a moment too soon, finding the place as it was, you may say, satisfactory. The narrator is still amazed it was so ordinary and unspectacular. 
he tells us this story happened a long time ago and reflects, were we, were we led that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I have seen birth and death, but thought they were different. This birth was hard, bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. He says this because the baby was just a baby. I wonder if he's speculating that the new dispensation will not be about magi and kings, but about the poor and the common. That there will no longer be places for kings and magi the way there used to be. The early Christian communities offered a chance for growth and rebirth to those at the very bottom of the society of the Roman Empire. The fact that they were steeped in Burkana, growth and rebirth, was probably one of the main reasons for their early success. Thousands of years later now, the church has developed ways that no longer uphold its core founding values, and people are also walking out of church to walk on in other ways, in great numbers. As we celebrate our burning bowl ceremony today, we engage in a ritual of growth and rebirth. We promise to walk out from things that hold us back and walk on to things that foster growth. Just as it is difficult to walk out on a failing system, so it is difficult to walk out on our own personal systems that fail us. We cling to our tried and true coping mechanisms long after they don't really work for us any longer. Liberation, our theme for this month, is really about burkana, growth and rebirth, walking out on what's holding you back and walking on to create what will work for you going forward, what will bring growth and rebirth. It's personal, but the personal is also communal. We are learning that the old dispensation of even our own UU faith has led to dead ends. We upheld for so long individual liberty and individual rights and individual freedom that we forgot that what hampers those things is not individual attacks or restraint on individual rights, but systems that hold down and hold back individuals because of what group they belong to or are assigned to, what identity they claim or are given, slave, nigger, woman, queer, pagan, immigrant, refugee. One of the liberating quotes of wisdom we've shared with you on social media so far this month comes from Australian Aboriginal activist Leela Watson, who said, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, let us work together. This is true. None of us can free another. However, even though it is imperative we free ourselves, we can only free ourselves together in community, in dialogue, in cooperation with each other. Your liberation is intimately and inseparably bound up with mine. This is why black people cannot liberate white people from racism, 
why women can't liberate men from patriarchy, or queer people liberate straight people from heteronormativity. We must do our own work, as it is said, but not in isolation. We need learning communities, faith communities, covenanted communities. Our faith in Unitarian Universalism is about transformation, liberating ourselves so we can liberate each other together in community. We see this reflected in every single one of our seven UU principles, the inherent worth and dignity of every person, justice, equity, and compassion in human relationships, acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth, a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, the right of conscience and the use of the democratic process in our congregations and in society, the goal of world community with peace, liberty, and justice for all, and respect for the interdependent web of existence of which we are all but a part. These values are ways of liberating ourselves together. They are a method for burkana, for growth and rebirth. Unitarian Universalism is at its core about liberation of yourself and all people. And none of us are free unless all of us are free. So we need to walk out on what isn't working in our own lives and in our society. But we do not give up. We walk on to work on ourselves to create our best selves and work on the world around us to create beloved community. The goal we seek, transformative growth and rebirth, is never far away. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. And I don't believe he meant the coming doom of judgment of a supernatural deity. What I believed he meant is that divinity and sacredness and holiness are always at your fingertips. The community of God is always right at hand. Sometimes we have to walk out of things or walk out of step in order to see it. It is hard to break old habits and old ways, even when they don't serve us. The character Michael Burnham says in the new Star Trek Discovery series, just as repetition reinforces repetition, change begets change. Sometimes the only way to find out where you fit in is to step out of the routine. Because sometimes where you really belong was waiting right around the corner all along. Walking out requires quitting, letting go, letting something, a habit, a dream, an idea, a system die in order to walk on, to grow, to grow up, to become whole, healed, and wise. As the Magi reflects, it's about birth and death, and they are not different but part of the same process. In order to make a change, we die to ourselves the part of ourselves holding us down and holding us back, and we allow ourselves to be reborn. Both parts of the process are difficult and hard roads. We find ourselves no longer at ease in our old dispensation with these things we used to idolize and rely on. We may even find our rebirth distances us from friends or family, but we know our new direction is better and healthier for us. Walking on, liberation, burkana, 
dying to ourselves to have life and have it more fully requires wrestling with Henry David Thoreau's three questions. What is my relationship to myself? What is my relationship to my culture? What is my relationship to the natural world? These are the questions you will wrestle with as you ponder your burning bowl card throughout the coming year. Quitting and leaving behind is not giving up. It is giving yourself permission and encouragement to walk on, keep fighting, keep growing, keep living, to seek and find liberation. <laughs>